Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I think I, I told you this story, but uh, if I didn't, uh, if I did, tell me. Uh, let's see. So April, March, uh, I was reached, uh, somebody reached out to me, a, a real estate organization reached out to me that um, had found space for a co-op in Norcross called the Neighborhood Co-op. Mm-hmm. And they were very, very, very good at, at their work. And they found a great space for neighborhood co-op. And so they reached out to me when they heard that uh, I was homeless and I was looking for space. And they vetted me and, and got a pretty good understanding of what we, what we needed and where we needed it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they went on a hunt. They found six properties that basically fit the parameters. They went to the property owners or to the property managers and all six turned thumbs down because of the volume of traffic. I remember you, you didn't tell me that you told me of another time you, I think you put it up somewhere and you had like a line down the road and you had the cops had to show up or something at a church. That's, that's when we opened that, that was, that was the, uh, the first weekend after COVID, um, we had cars lined up out to Peachtree Industrial. The second weekend, we were closed because we had zero food, and the Atlanta Community Food Bank was in the process of moving their their facility from one place to another. The third weekend, um, we were back in business but we ran out of food. And the month of March, as we were winding down, our need and our ask was increasing. Yeah, we, and that's only gonna happen when you get like, it's tough too, because you're in the situation where you need a spot, any spot, but at the same time, an ideal world, you're going to want a spot that you can kind of grow into. Like you kind of want a spot bigger than what you need right now. Right. With the right. anticipation that this is going to get <laughs> bigger. Oh, it's going to get my, it's going to get yeah. my finger because the dream is much bigger than, uh, in fact, uh, my, uh, my general manager uh, coined the phrase more than food. Mm. And that's exactly what we are. We are, we are more than food. Uh, our vision is to satisfy the needs of the hungry in and around Gwinnett County. Uh, but it, it, it's more than, uh, <clears throat> it's more than Maslow's hierarchy of needs. 
It's more than just food. It's uh, our ability to feed our people financially, socially, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. And the best way I can describe it, Andrew, is we want a facility that uh, is like a shopping mall. Uh, even though they are ghost towns now, um, our vision is to provide our guests who walk in the door uh, the ability to find whatever service they need within a few steps. Mm -hmm. it, could be, it, it, it could be as simple as food or it, it, it could be as complicated as immigration law. And uh, we want, because transportation is the bane of our guests' existence. Um, if I have to tell them that, okay, you pick up your food here, but you have to go here for the dentist, here for the eye doctor, here for the attorney, then immediately their wheels are going, well, how am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. The bus transportation is, I mean, it exists, but it's, it's not good. You'll be on that for two hours to get like a mile down the road almost. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there is a, uh, the term is called Jitney, J-I-T-N-E-Y. So there's a Jitney service available that serves uh, the Buford Highway corridor from uh, just outside 285 in Doraville all the way down to um, North Druid Hills. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's a safe and reliable service that the communities that it serves depend upon. And, you know, that, that's one of the things that, that keeps going through my mind is could that be a service that could be uh, planted at the redevelopment of Gwinnett Place Mall. And so that would be the hub. And there, then there would be spokes that the Jitney service would provide regular, safe, and reliable yeah. transportation. There's just all things, all, a, a million things going through my mind. And I know that I cannot do the million. No, you're only one person. Right. Uh, but by, uh, by association, uh, because of, of COVID, mm -hmm. uh, I got involved with an organization uh, called Gwinnett Cares. And Gwinnett Cares is under the umbrella of the Gwinnett Coalition. And it, it, it is government as well as nonprofits, schools, and, and the like. And we come together on a regular basis to ask questions, to seek advice, and to see how we can collaborate with each other to provide more and better. And I, I, I'm overwhelmed because uh, there, there's a, a clinic called Good Samaritan Health Clinics mm -hmm. of, of Gwinnett. They have two locations, one in uh, uh, 
on Jimmy Carter Boulevard at Singleton. And then the other location is on Jimmy Carter Boulevard at Buford Highway. Yep. And they, uh, they, they partnered with me and we had health fairs in the parking lot. They sent a team uh, that, that did health, health screenings. We did three of them. It was so much fun because our guests were going, you mean we can, we can do this? There's no charge? <laughs> and it, 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 was, it was fantastic. And then we got involved with an organization called Helping Mamas. And Helping Mamas uh, started by a woman. Uh, her name is Jamie Lackey. And it's all about the accessories that babies need. Uh, whether it be diapers, wipes, formula, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they grew it into providing women's care products as well. Mm. And so uh, I had a mother who uh, her husband abandoned her at the beginning of uh, COVID. Mm. And she was a mother of five. The youngest was six weeks old. And so Jamie helped me, her organization helped me. Um, we got a, a car seat formula, wipes and diapers for her six week old. It was, it's so much fun. It's so stressful, but it's so much fun. Yeah. And so we're, we've been recording. I don't know if you don't mind. Like, can I include what you just talked about? In Oh, yeah. I, I saw when I got on that. It, yeah, it says, I just uh, start from the progress. beginning, but we kind of already started. But could you talk about how you got started into all this? Because um, I know when we first talked, you spoke about how you got in this through your, uh, through your son when he was playing baseball, I believe you said. Could you elaborate like how this all got started and like, did you have nonprofits or these sorts of like community service volunteering sort of like aspirations before? And you kind of just like decided to go full force or was this something that just opened up the floodgates and then you just jumped into the deep end? Uh, Loaded question. <laughs> I got to the point of knowing that I, uh, that my heart is to serve with two things first was a uh, a two-day uh, getaway back in um, january of 03 mm -hmm. and at that time uh it was all about uh it was all about creating your purpose statement mm. Uh, it was entitled, I was born to. And one of the, one of the videos that she showed uh, was of the father with the uh, uh, cerebral palsy son in the triathlon wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And he would do triathlons. No, I'm sorry. He did marathons with his son pushing his son and it just it just opened the floodgates for me I, I i there was something in here 
that said, you were born to serve. And so my I was born to statement is, uh, I was born to encourage, motivate, unleash passion, and restore hope in the fatherless. I love that. It gives me shivers every time I think about it. But that was the, that was the beginning of my heart to serve. Uh, I, I tell my I tell my kids and I tell my wife. I say, my epitaph needs to be, "How may I help you?" That's that's how I operate. Mm. Um, in in two thousand in the in the fall of two thousand. My wife and I took our five children to Australia uh, and we served with a couple of churches over there, as well as a, uh, a ministry called youth with a mission. Mm -hmm. YWAM is there is the vernacular. And the division was called King's kids. Uh, we had met King's kids in Atlanta in 1996. I, in fact, I had helped the national director uh, he had brought his family, uh, five kids, uh, one of which was a newborn. Um, they had come to a uh, event called Target World. And Target World was an opportunity to come together and then send these groups of kids and adults out throughout metropolitan Atlanta, uh, serving the people and doing whatever they could. It was, it, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, so 2000, uh, we go to Australia. We were there for six weeks. We participated, uh, we participated in a variety of different events, uh, two or three different churches. And we came back and in the fall of, uh, 2001, we were, we were homeschooling, uh, and our two boys were playing baseball up in Dunwoody. Mm -hmm playing fall baseball and one of their teammates uh his dad was running 25 food co-ops of 25 families each in south central atlanta below i-20 inside 285 mm -hmm. and I just got to talking with Chad. Uh, that's it. Uh, and I kept asking questions. And the biggest question was, how in the world can you be serving so many people who are hungry when you live in the breadbasket of the world? What is it? Yeah. How? Why? It didn't make sense. So I would meet with Chad periodically two or three times a year. Uh, because it, it was just a real head scratcher for me. And then uh, in, in the, the spring of 2012, I reached out to the Gwinnett County Board of Education and I asked them, how, how do you serve meals to your students in the summer who receive free and reduced meals nine months out of the year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they came back to me about uh, about a month later 
And they said, well, we, we kind of feed them if they come to summer school. Yeah. But they have to get to summer school and they have to get home. Yeah. And you don't want to be in summer school either. No. And so that wasn't, that wasn't a solution. And I, that, that really bothered me. Uh, December of 2012, we distributed food boxes to an apartment complex in Duluth that was principally 100% uh, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, 72 apartments. Many of those apartments uh, were occupied by five, six, seven adult men who were working construction trades. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were two late. There were two families in the complex. Uh, single parent, uh, female led, and they were, uh, preparing tamales. And so the construction guys would go to their homes in the morning and pick up their lunch, pay them. And they'd come home at night, pick up their dinner and pay them. So the ladies were making money, making food for the construction workers. Sorry. No, no. Bless you. Um, thanks. So, um, driving rainstorm, we deliver 72 boxes of food, one to each apartment. And that was the beginning spring of 2013. I, uh, I took on Chad's, uh, co-op model that I had learned over the years Mm -hmm. and I created a mobile model. So I took a yellow rider truck and I would go to the west side of Atlanta to pick up food and I bring it back two Thursdays a month mm-hmm. and set up in the parking lot of the apartment complex. And my guests would walk down the hill with either a laundry basket or a banana box. And we would fill those banana boxes, uh, those laundry baskets with food. And then when you were going to those apartments, so how were you getting, giving them the food? Like, did you have people donating that food? Were you going out and buying it yourself? And then did, was it just you, or did you have some people along with you going to these, giving them out at the, like that when you're giving out those uh, banana boxes to each hotel room? That, uh, it was, uh, it was a catch as catch can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as far as volunteers helping me, I knew it's what I needed to do. So regardless if I had volunteers or not, I was going to go to the west side of Atlanta, pick up the food because the church where I, where, where I was going, which um, they were they were paying my food bill, mm-hmm. which okay. was very generous. Yeah, uh, very helpful. Um, I tried to get signed up with the Atlanta Community Food Bank back in 2013. But I wasn't a nonprofit at the time. Mm. So I was, I was not eligible to become a part of the Atlanta Community Food Bank. Um, but I only did the mobile model for six months. Okay. And the reason was my food source became too many carbs and not enough protein. And so I just got to the point where I I had to shut down. Yeah. Uh, and 
so in the process of shutting down, um, I learned about a program up in Marietta called uh, Must Ministries. And Must Ministries in February of 14 uh, was asking for folks to set up a summer lunch distribution program in Gwinnett County. Mm. And so uh, a pastor from the church and I went to a must ministries and talked with them and they took us on. And in the summer of 14, we launched a summer lunch program that enabled us to five days a week distribute brown bag lunches that consisted of a sandwich, a sweet, a savory, and a drink. And we delivered it five days a week and we served 5,000 brown bag lunches that summer. But understand that was to a population of 180,000 public school students, 50% of which were receiving free and reduced. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were barely scratching the surface of the need for summer lunch. But we continue to do it. We did it 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 summers. Uh, each year it got bigger. Each year we added more distribution spot locations. Uh, and in the summer of, eight, of 18, we ended up distributing 25,000 brown bag lunches in that same 10 week period of time. That's huge growth. It was. It was, and it, it was very satisfactory. How did us. you manage that growth too? Because I'm imagining as it's growing, you have more people coming on. You're dealing right. with more people too. Not even right. just like the people you're giving it to, but the, I don't want to say higher ups, but the school officials, like the people you have to work with, community members. Like how are, you balancing, how are you balancing all of that? Because I can only imagine it's difficult to juggle all those balls in the air. Keeping the right. mission as aligned to what you started it as. Right. And then keeping it moving forward while growing, but at the same time, not having the wheels fall off and not having like this, ex- this uh, growing car. I, I imagine it like it turning in from like a Toyota, almost like you're aiming for a Rolls Royce, but at the same time, you don't want like the wheels to fall off or like those upgrades that you're making as it's improving falling off or, you know, like those like little janky things. Like, how did you come up with that? Did you have experience with that or were you just? I had zero experience. As most leaders. It was, it was, it was definitely on the job training. But must ministries had already been doing it for many years. Mm. And so they, they took us on a tour of what they were doing in Smyrna and how it operated in Smyrna. Yeah. And that gave us a vision for how we could, we could do yeah. it in Gwinnett. A blueprint almost. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they, they, they were very, very supporting. Uh, they provided us with, uh, they meaning must ministries, as, as, as well as other organizations were donating the supplies, whether it be uh, the sweet, the savory, 
the sandwich components or uh, the drinks or the bags. This is really cool. Uh, the brown bags. Uh-huh. Many kids Sunday schools would get stacks of bags and they would draw on them and they would mm-hmm. ride on them. So it, it's just this really cool thing to see the see us hand out the bags and then the kids would literally sit down and read the bags and then dip in to get their lunch. It was, it was was wonderful, but managing the growth was, for me, it was, it, it was the show and tell model. And by that, I mean, uh, intuitively, I knew that if I got someone on my campus mm-hmm. and they be, and they saw the operation, they actually got involved with assembling the lunch bag, bags or uh, loading the lunch the boxes of lunch bags into the back of the vehicles and going out on one of the pardon me, on one of the routes and seeing the children running to your vehicle because they knew it was time for lunch and they knew that we were going to be on campus. Um, I knew if they saw that, that they would want to get involved. And that is exactly what happened. I, I didn't have to do anything really other than get the word out that summer lunch is active and we need volunteers. Once that happened, they they were on board and they would keep coming back after they, if they got involved in 14, they, they came back for 15, 16, 17, and 18. We had, we had a senior group from Peachtree Corners Baptist church and Miss Lynn would come four days, four, four days a week with banana boxes full of uh, lunch bags, brown bags, that the only thing it didn't have was the sandwich. Mm. It had the sweet, the savory, and the drink. Because <laughs> that's what the seniors knew they could do. And it was, it was so much fun. I... I so when, how many people do you have with you now on average when you were are running at like full capacity? How many people do you have like volunteering with you? How many people do you have on staff? Cause you have a staff now too. You mentioned like, like a general manager of a, of a sort. I do. Um, I have a board of directors. It's, uh, there's six of us. I have a general manager. And then I have 30 to 35 volunteers every Saturday. And I think it just started with just you go driving around, you know? Right. Exactly. Uh, And how did you know? Mm -hmm. um, When I moved from summer lunch to the the Saturday morning co-op, model Mm -hmm. 
Um, I started out with a table, two chairs, a laptop computer, and two A-frame signs that, that I put out at the parking lot entrances mm -hmm. <laughs> three days a week. I had to put them out and take them in because of the sign ordinances. Yeah. Otherwise, I was going to get fined for having illegal signs. So I put them out, take them in, put them out, take them in. Um, and that was my that was my only promotion. I did I did I did nothing else. And at that point, um, all I had was uh, I had my corporation. I had JN two one one seven Feed My Sheep Incorporated. Um, Status Feed had not been created yet, and. Um, So we started and my first guest, how do I want to say this? Um, so she saw the sign. Uh, I think she was on her lunch break. And so she comes into the parking lot and I could tell that as she was creeping onto the parking lot that she was wanting to know more about the co-op. And so she parks her car and then hesitantly walks down my 30 foot sidewalk to the front door and opens the front door and says, do you have food? And that was the beginning. Uh, we were, uh, we were, ironically, I was very strategically located because I was uh, diagonally across the street from from the, the church uh, was a charter school. Okay. And down the road, another 100 yards was uh, a, uh, a, private, uh, a, a private school, K through 12, uh, called Notre Dame Academy. Yeah. And in between the two was Telemundo Atlanta. I didn't realize that was out there. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was wonderful. I, I envisioned taking uh, yard signs and sticking them around the circle of the uh, office complex because at the back of the complex is soccer fields, mm. and I figured I'd at least capture the attention of families. Uh, who were driving on? Who were driving on to the soccer fields on Saturday mornings? Um, I never got to that point because the people just started coming in and asking for help, uh, setting aside their pride, and humbly asking for help. And it was amazing. We then. Uh, hmm. Spring of 2018, uh, an international marketing firm called um, This is 
terrible, Andrew. I should not forget their name. <laughs> what did but they do? Uh, hold on. Okay, the international marketing firm is called AKQA. They have an office in the Google building in downtown Atlanta at 10th and uh, uh, West Peachtree. Okay. And they had posted, Cherish Bailey, the uh, one of the directors, had posted a, a need for a summer intern project. And I thought, why not? So I had an interview. And when I went to the interview, I took my banana box and I took 10 brown bag lunches. <laughs> and I walked in and introduced myself and uh, then proceeded to tell them, what do I do, for whom, how and why? And then I gave them the brown bag lunches. And they said, it has been so long since I had a brown bag lunch. But it, it was wonderful. They interviewed me two more times and finally said, yes, we want your project as our summer intern project. And I was, I was overwhelmed. I was so I full of joy. Uh, but I thought, well, this means that they're going to work on my project maybe 10 hours a week. And uh, they were going to be, uh, give me a, um, they gave me the, the outline of what they were going to produce. And, and what they did was they, uh, they created the website, the name, uh, the back of the house support, as well as artwork, various sundry other tools. Um, but it turns out that I had four interns, 40 hours a week for 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. And so four, co four college co-eds, uh, the uh, project manager was a rising senior at the University of Georgia Journalism School. Holy cow. The user experience was a spring graduate of uh, African-American studies at Georgia State. The graphic artist was a spring graduate of SCAD. And my wordsmith was a rising senior at Emory in English. They, they were absolutely incredible. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't have asked for a better experience. I can only imagine. I mean, those are like, all, you're hitting all the big schools too. Like, Yeah, I, and they created everything for me. Everything that you see about Satisfeed was their creation. Might have to, I'm going to have to pull it up again afterwards. And, um, and uh, so just after we had our initial meeting, I thought, The ladies need to see where I started. They need to see where my mentor is. And so I asked them if they wanted to go on a field trip. 
yeah, we'll go on a field trip. So I took him down to Chad's facility in downtown Atlanta in the within uh, shouting range of the zoo. And we go, it, 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 it's a traditional 1900s church, brick sanctuary on top with the, the community room in the basement. Okay. Know, everything that you can possibly imagine. We walk in and uh, I introduced the, the girls to the uh, uh, executive director. And uh, then he started to tell us about the operation. And about 10 minutes into his conversation, the girls look at me and they say, can we help? And I looked at, I looked at Jeremy and I said, well, Jeremy, can they? And he said, sure. So all four of them pulled on rubber gloves and got their hands dirty. They went to work helping the co-op uh, clean load the boxes, the banana boxes, and get them ready. And at that point, I knew that the girls had bought in. They, they, they now had a clear understanding of what it is that I was trying to do. And that just... Do you do that with all the new people now that come on? I wish I could. See, all, all the new people that come on... Um, I basically have my volunteers for about three hours on a Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it is not enough time because we're, we're so, we're so focused on getting the food out of the containers to the assembly tables, getting the boxes assembled and getting ready to serve 300 families in a two hour period of time. Mm -hmm. just that's how, that's how active it is um but you bring you bring up for me it's the bane of my existence because i see satisfied from the lens of uh constituencies uh, my constituencies are my clients my volunteers, my donors, and the community we're serving. And my hope, my prayer is that my clients will want to become volunteers, which has happened. Mm -hmm. My volunteers will become first-time donors. My volunteers will become multiple-time donors. Then my donors become ambassadors. And finally, that we have recognition within the community that we are more than food. And I have, I have not in any way, shape, or form been able to do that movement. Mm -hmm. At least to the level that you're hoping. Right. 
because uh, I wrote out a uh, a five year plan and a ten year plan bef- uh, back in Jan- uh, January or February. And at that, no, I'm sorry, it was almost a year ago. It was in August of last year. Um, and at that point, um, I was looking at one, by, by January of 2027, having one community service center, mm. just like I, I originally described, mm-hmm. where my guests walk in asking for help, and then we we are able to provide the services. We have a facility that they can walk into. Um, and then uh, in 10 years, um, we, w- we would have launched seven to 10 additional community service centers. And we will be... Uh, we will have created a development company that enables us to share the vision and build the vision in other locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely not there yet. But like you said earlier, finding space that would enable us to experience that growth mm-hmm. and to serve the people in a very uh, respectful way. Um, that's where I want to go. Yeah. What have been some of because you've come so far and I know like you're kind of on the turn of that chapter of the book, making it to that next part. Yeah. In this first part, what were some of the big challenges that like the big hurdles that you had to go over? Was it, how do I manage all these people? Was it, how do I let go of doing some of the work manually and like trying to like steer the ship by not being the, you know, in the actual engine room. That's a great question. What's been kind of like, what was that? And then what, either what resource, who or how did you kind of like, did that unlock for you? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, summer of 21, about three months into the into COVID mm-hmm. to when the first light bulb went off. And um, the gentleman who was a volunteer, he and his wife, he came to me and he said, because he was, he was, on, he was a, my vi- vice president of the board. He said, you need to get out of the day to day. You need an executive director. He said, I want to be the executive director. You don't have to pay me anything. But you need to get out of the day-to-day. That was so hard. 
but I said yes. And what happened was Greg became my executive director. And not long after that, uh, one of the women from Gwinnett Cares rang me up and said, Tim, I have a lady in my uh, book group, my book club, who is a former Deloitte consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wants to volunteer. Can you use her? <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because at that point, Andrew, uh, we were going through the process of converting from paper pen registration to barcode registration. What is that exactly? So, so what we were doing was every week when some when a car would present themselves, we would hand them a uh, a clipboard and a piece of paper, mm. and they would fill out name and address, phone number, number of adults, and number of children in the family, number of seniors, mm-hmm. as well as ethnicity. Um, and we had learned of a software package that uh, many, many of the food banks were using. Uh, and so we bought into their service. And part of the service was acquiring the technology, the barcode technology yeah, yeah. to um, issue ID cards, for lack of a better Sort term. of like the Kroger know. thing where you can just like scan it and it knows who you are. Okay. Exactly. Um, and so we decided, okay, we're going to convert from paper and pen to barcode. Mm-hmm. It was three weeks of hell. <laughs> but at the end of the three weeks, when we were back up and running, fully running, it was like, why didn't we do this a year ago? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's just been, it's been marvelous. Whose idea was that? Was that the Deloitte? consultant uh no it was not the deloitte consultant it, it really came out of the referral from the atlanta community food bank to use this software package mm-hmm. uh that was basically client client tracking okay did they don't did they like donate the service or anything or no well they could have but keyword right there could <laughs> well the rules were that we had to go to training on site at uh, the Atlanta Community Food Bank in order for them to give us the software. Mm-hmm. And we just couldn't do that because my people, my people were working, my volunteers were working, and I couldn't get them out of their work in order to go to the training. Yeah. So we went, we went to the software company, and the software company said, well, we can do that for you. And um, so we we onboarded it, and we've used it's it's just been it's been remarkable. Yeah. But what happened was the the Deloitte consultant, um, she got so involved 
uh, she began not only to do paperwork during the week, but she also uh, did registration on Saturday. And eventually she became my, my treasurer on my board of directors. So um, that's, how, that's how we built the organization. And then how are you building the board too? Because like, how, how are you choosing who are they coming up through the ranks? Like the Deloitte person? Cause that's a tricky thing too. Like, how do you put people, how do you give people the permission, the responsibility, how are you letting go? Like you have to have some sort of trust there, but at the same, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance sometimes. Uh, this is a picture of my original there you go. You can see that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, my original board of directors. Uh huh. And they were, uh, you'll feel part of the expression, it was friends, relatives, and charity. <laughs> but um, uh, Greg Robinson, uh, the, bald, the bald white guy in the blue shirt, he was, uh, he was my vice president. He, he's the one who volunteered to become the executive director. Mm-hmm. And then Perry Rue uh is a coach uh ibm executive that became a a coach at ibm uh catherine turner uh is um she worked at at the uh, ignite incubator at kennesaw state at kennesaw state she was executive director there and then christine turner uh is my daughter and she was uh uh she was secretary. And then I had Tammy Abios, who uh, is bilingual. And um, she was working with a, uh, a ministry in Atlanta uh, doing financial training mm-hmm. for families. And then Ileana Allen uh, is a, uh, a news producer in Atlanta. She was working at Fox five at the time and she, she's bilingual. Um, so that's how I originally started my board. And how did you pick them though? Like, how did they, well, I knew, um, or just you. Well, interestingly enough, I knew Perry. Okay. Perry Rue. Cause he was a coach, but Greg Ileana Tammy and Christine all all went to the same church as I did. Okay, and so it was it, it was kind of inbred, but it was also it was also a reflection of the people we were serving. So I really felt like I had chosen correctly. Yeah. Um, but then things changed, you know, and it was time for some of them to step away and that brought in new, new blood. Um, I had a, uh, of a pastor from a church. He's uh, bivocational. Uh, he works at UPS in it at UPS. And he is uh, a, a pastor of a church, Iglesia de, de Georgia over in Lilburn. He was introduced to me by the Atlanta Community Food Bank. 
so he's a he's on my board. Uh, Tiffany Porter, who just passed away, who was the tax commissioner for Gwinnett County, mm-hmm. he was on my board. Uh, and uh, Michelle Scoggins, who's retired educator in Gwinnett County, 35 years, who, whose passion is uh, ESL and citizenship. She's on my board. Uh, and then uh, I have um, uh, my, chip, my board chair is an attorney for Cisco. And my... Uh, um, the other board member is a development coach for Cisco. He spent 13, 14 years in sales engineering. Wow. And his passion was to develop people. So he got, he got the position at Cisco. And that's a so good one to have too. Two people at Cisco. Like that. Oh. It's, it's been, it's been, yeah. So that's how the board was developed. Uh, no, were there any, like, was there any turbulence when the new blood came in? Like, was there any sort of challenges or issues there or just, Because I know that sometimes that can happen, where it's like you have there, an opportunity yeah, moving in a certain direction. There, there have been there have been challenges, and so it, it's been good, it's been bad, it's been in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't been a hundred percent this or a hundred percent that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As everything is in life, there's always that. Yeah. The, the, yeah. It's always usually in the gray. Right. And so, that, and that's where I've been operating. Uh, the, the board They probably relied, wouldn't make it this far into the show. It's, <laughs> I'm kidding. The board relied on me to find a new home. And when it became apparent that we weren't going to be able to find a new home, they said, okay, shut it down. So we shut it down and I stored our assets. And so I'm, I'm paying a rental bill every month to protect the assets. And it, it's killing me. Yeah. I, I'm getting around a dozen inquiries via text or phone asking me, where are you distributing? Where can we get food? Andrew, it's killing me. The need is not going down. No. Uh, the Department of Agriculture has has whacked uh, their uh, emergency rules so that school lunch can, cannot be distributed to 100% of the students mm-hmm. as of June the 1st. So when the kids go back to school, you know we're gonna we're gonna be seeing issues yeah and i know that i know that i know 
that we are compelled to feed the people. And so I'm endeavoring to do that. But not to the exclusivity of not doing other things to serve the people. Yeah. And um, the collaborations that you and I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. that's my lifeline. Uh, if I if I don't if I'm not able to do, uh, develop the, the collaborations and deliver them, um, I don't want to be a one trick pony. Mm-hmm. There's there's too much need out there for the terms called wraparound services that uh, for me not to to do more than just feed the people. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to that commitment, that purpose you have that you came up with. And I loved how you had it memorized too. (laughs) Uh, With hype, so we do this, uh, whenever someone new is like joining, we work with a coach and he like works you through like some breathing exercises and some some other things. And then you get into an ice bath. And I was in- Yeah, I saw, I saw, yeah. So I did, I did it again. I did it twice, but the first time I did it would have been like a year ago or so. And then we have to come up with our commitment. Like, why are you getting into the ice? Like when you're in that challenge, when you're in that state of growth, when you're in that pain, you have to remember like, what is that in the back of your head that's pushing you forward? And that's what you're thinking of. And I think this is like, right now you're in the ice, right? Yeah. Man, Andrew, you open up so many cans. I <laughs> and it, it it's right to do that. Yeah. Because Pat, my wife said it to me today. She said, Tim, there's more to life than satisfied. You need you need to open your eyes. You need to open your heart. You need to open your mind to what's going on around you. You It's okay to be passionate. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to be passionate. But if the passion becomes a barrier, then you need to reassess. Mm. <sighs> yeah, that happens a lot too. <laughs> that happened to me before I, ju- I came to do digital marketing after doing, you know, like nonprofit and my time with Peace Corps. There was a little bit of an identity crisis there where I was, that was such a huge part of my identity kind of like with you with Satisfied, like I'm sure it's been what, almost, no, like been almost like a decade and a half for you now. Right, right. And so it's like, I didn't imagine, I only did it for like seven years. So double that, I can only imagine, like that's going to take up such a huge chunk of your identity, like Tim Turner, Satisfied, and 
I, I can imagine and I understand that difficulty of, of where you are right now. But I think, uh, I have to think, I know some people within the Gwinnett County, some of them are like state council, uh, city council members of Lawrenceville. Um, and then some other nonprofits who I think might have some connection. Some of them are pretty well connected. Um, I actually met with someone this morning too, who works with um, tenants to find like commercial real estate. How do you mean? Uh, so he, like if someone's looking to buy an office space. Yeah. Like I, I met, I was, I know someone that's pretty well connected in that city. He's been doing it for like 30 years. Um, wow. Of, he's from Cuba as well. So it kind of matches up. I'll reach out to him after this. Like he may, obviously you're not trying to pay probably the pennies like they're going for, but you just never know with his tools. Is there a certain spot? Does he know someone that knows something, but I'll try to reach out to those three. So I have like four or five people that I have in mind that I'll try to connect you with after, after this. So tell me about, tell me about height. What do you want to know about it? I mean, I think why, been, why, why, why did you get involved? I've always had being someone that grew up in like in the social media age and like I always had computers and, and all of that. So when the last couple years I was doing on the side digital marketing work and I was helping people and I was helping one person who kind of reminds me of you a little bit. I mean, they, they own a business and they were doing well, but they're also very like generous. They like help lots of people and they're very involved with their church. They're very involved with different things in their community. So when I was working with them and I was watching their business grow from what I was doing, I realized that, you know, there, when it comes to marketing and my mindset, when I was making that switch, I was like, sometimes my experience with it, in the past was always clients, just money, money, money. And it's more than that. I mean, you're helping people grow their businesses. And then when they grow their businesses, like then if you're working with the right people and that's who I'm trying to like surround myself with, you're helping them grow their business, but then they're also able to help more people. They're able to bring hire more people. So um, there was that aspect. And then also we've been able to do some like pro bono projects here. And then the people that I work with, they're all pretty much well aligned with my thought of like trying to help other people, you know, like these sorts of projects. So I was lucky. I sort of backed into it. It wasn't the plan that initially happened, but I mean, I've been blessed of, of the way it went, but I also know I've taken up a huge amount of your time today, but. um, I don't feel like it. (laughs) <laughs> no, it was a good conversation. And I hope we could meet up again soon, maybe in person as well. And have I would this, like that. I really appreciate I, your time today. Um, thank you very much. So if someone was watching this, where do they find out to learn more about Satisfeed? How can they follow you? How can they help you? All right. Uh, website www.satisfeed. And interestingly enough, if you type in satisfied, your word, your, your word check is go, your spell check is going to say satisfied. No, it's satisfied.org. 
Is that how you came up with that? No, that came from my wordsmith from AKQA. She get, the team gave me a list of five or six different names. And unbeknownst to me, the team had decided that Satisfied was the right name. Yeah. But they wanted me to settle on it. So they were hoping and praying that I would land on Satisfied. I, I guess I just didn't realize. Now that you say Satisfied, Satisfied, I'm like, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That's they a good did. one. I like that. <laughs> they, they, they were wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So, so uh, yeah. Satisfied.org. Right. Uh, the best email address is JN2117 feedmysheep at gmail.com. I'll make, sure, I'll make sure to include in some of the details as well. Yeah. And then the best phone number right now is 404 456 I'm in the process of uh, uh, making some changes. But um, that's the one that, that's best for me right now. Beyond that, Andrew, uh, man, this is, uh, uh, I, I, I think the best thing, best thing I can tell you is last week, no, two weeks ago, I went to a, uh, a good to give ceremony mm. uh, sponsored by uh, community foundation for Northeast Georgia. Mm -hmm. And I had applied for a grant and it turns out that this grant process, the foundation had received 107 applications and they, they, uh, their initial culling brought it down to 53. And then finally, they landed on 36 different organizations who would receive grants. And they gave in excess of $330,000. And uh, I received one of those grants. Oh. Which... it's just incredible yeah and now you're trying to just find a way to be able to use it right you uh, there are, it, you yeah there are it. some there are some strings attached um but that's okay uh the point of me uh, saying anything to you is that uh the latin american association was also or no either the latin american association or the georgia hispanic chamber of commerce also received a, a grant. Okay. And 86% of the folks I serve are Hispanic. Mm. So I know that I know that I know that I have to be very, very strategic in getting involved in the Latin American community and getting involved with the folks who can help me be more effective in serving the Latin American community. And so I had a brief conversation afterwards with one of the ladies and she was so encouraging. It, uh, uh, it just blew me away. 
I think you're heading in the right direction. You're doing the right things. It will happen. Are you, I, do you know anyone within the Georgia Hispanic chamber of commerce? Yeah. Uh, gentleman's name is, uh, Antonio Molina. That's who I was going to recommend. I know him as well. Ironically, small world story. Uh, back to school health fair that I sponsored in August of 2017. Antonio Molina's dad was the doctor and his staff that came on and did, did the uh, back to school uh, health exams. It was the most wonderful experience. Dr. Molina, he's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> but he's so much fun. It, uh, his wife, <laughs> she gets all over him. But uh, it's uh, it, it, it was a great experience. I'm I'm very very grateful because at that time, uh, Antonio was ba- was the business manager for the practice as mm-hmm. he was finishing up his law school and getting ready to take his bar exam and and things of that nature. So I'm very very encouraged that's too funny it is and Atlanta is one of those cities where it's big but at the same time it's kind of small yeah and it's well connected especially oh for my gosh I've been here for a while so um do you happen to know Adriana Andre I know the name I haven't met her yet okay all right that's another story for another time. <laughs> but thank you so much um my Tim. pleasure um, I will talk to you soon and I'll let you know once I reach out to those people for you. Okay. Thank you very, very All much. Right. Thank you so it. much, Kim. Tim. See you. Bye-bye.